0: Uh, hey, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, just want to thank everybody for coming today. want to welcome everybody that is watching us on uh, Facebook Live that has clicked over to YouTube Live. Come on. Thank you for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. Man, our online experience has already gotten a lot better. Uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um when you do that, it gives you an email reminder. If you can't make it to church uh, or, or uh, if you're on vacation or whatever, uh, you can watch us live wherever you're at. And so I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have some original content coming up with life groups. And now we're going to do a video devotional uh, starting in January that that goes through with our, our 21-day prayer, and fasting, which is, oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be an awesome time. And so hit subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Stay connected to what God is doing here. All right. You guys doing all right this morning? Good. We are in part three of a series called Afterlife. Let's recap really quick, and then we'll get into part three. Part one uh, about afterlife. We we talked, I, I wanted you to get focused on eternity, I wanted you to get focused on that your life matters here in this life. You, your life matters, and what you do here matters where you spend eternity and how you spend eternity. I want to share something with you real quick. Um, after I preached that message, I had two people that Sunday come to me and say, man, I was thinking about taking my life this week, and because of this message, and because, man, I experienced God this week, I'm not going to do it. Um, that's awesome. But I just had another young lady tell me that same thing today. Um, and, and she just experienced God in a real way today. And so she's like, Man, I, I understand that my life matters, and I'm going to go make it matter. I'm going to go help somebody today. And so, man, that's the church that you're part of today. Man, we're making a difference in people's lives. It's so awesome. And then last week, we talked about what happens to Christians when they die. We actually just don't go to heaven right away. We actually stand before the judgment seat. We actually stand before Jesus. And what happens is Jesus fully investigates our life. And, and what he investigates is the good and the worthless things we've done in this body, how we have stewarded the resources, the time, talent, uh, the, the the finances that he's given us, and and Basically, how he does it, how he fully investigates it, he uses fire to do it. And the things that uh, last through the fire, the things that we invested in eternal purposes, those things last and we're rewarded for those things. But the things that, uh, man, we, focused, we just focus on materialistic things and, 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 you know, building your wealth, all of that stuff gets built up. You don't get to take those things with you. And so there's this moment. That I, that I was trying to prepare you for last week where we stand before Jesus and Jesus fully investigates our life to get us focused, to get us inspired about, man, this life matters. This life matters. And there is a reward that waits for us, not just heaven. Heaven's amazing. Heaven's awesome. We're going to talk about heaven next week. But man, there's a reward that, that we receive when we're we're faithful in these bodies. And so... That's what we talked about last week. This week, the title of my message is Smoked Turkey Legs in Hell. <laughs> Anybody love a good smoked turkey leg? Come on. Like when I go to a fair, thank you, Richard. When I go to a fair, right, when I go to a fair, I just love a big smoked turkey leg. I just like to eat meat that way. It just makes me feel kingly, you know, a little barbaric. Yeah. Yeah. Eating meat on a bone, you know what I mean? And uh, I love it. I love smoked turkey legs. And, and here's the thing. There's going to be no smoked turkey legs in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. And the reason why this is the title of my message is because I want us to associate something good because we're going to talk about something that's, that's bad. Okay, so the next time you eat a smoked turkey leg, I want you to think, I don't want to go to hell, okay, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) um, Before we get into it today, what I don't want to give you today is something that I used to have, and that was hell anxiety, okay, it's a real thing, hell anxiety, and what hell anxiety is, is the fear that God is just going to send you to hell, okay, that, that was my fear as a little boy, um, you know, w- w- when I was younger, I was 11, 12, 13, in, in my early teen years, I had this fear that God was just going to send me to hell, like, you know, I would do something to my brothers, I grew up with three brothers, and I was always messing with them, and, and then afterwards, I would feel bad, right, and I would lay in my bed, I would lay in my bed and say, God, please don't send me to hell, I was just... So afraid that, that man, God was just going to strike me down and I was just going to go to hell. So I don't want to give you hell anxiety today, okay? And and I don't want to give you hell anxiety today. I want to read this passage before we get into it today, before we pray. And that's Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And this can lift your hell anxiety today. And these are the words from Jesus. And Jesus says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, the highway to hell is broad. Jesus is saying there's lots of ways to make it to hell. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that, that, that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. The road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Why is this gate so narrow? One, this gate is so narrow because only one person can fit through it. Okay? So what do I mean by that? Like, you, like because of grandma's faith, like you you ain't making to heaven because of grandma's faith right like you, you 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 can't make it you can't bring your kids with you right because you're you're a follower of Jesus this narrow gate only one person can fit through this narrow gate at a time, and this narrow gate is jesus okay it's only Jesus through jesus it'll only always be Jesus, that we make it to heaven. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Joseph Smith. It is only the blood of Jesus, the blood of the spotless lamb that covers our life, that allows us to go through this narrow gate to spend eternity with Jesus. So if you have Jesus today, just let the hell anxiety lift from you, okay? Because if you have Jesus, you're going to spend eternity with him, all right? Come on, let's pray. We'll get into God's word today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this moment. In the scope of eternity, that that this moment, God, the, these next thirty minutes, they matter to you. And so, God, I just pray that they would matter to us. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds, to the understanding of your words, not not Pastor Andrew's words, but your words, God, because. It's only your words that change us. And so, God, open our hearts, open our minds to your words, Lord. Help me get out of the way and let you do your work this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. amen. And amen. If you Google hell, there's lots of different statistics, okay? And, and I've went through them all week. And you'll get a variety of what people believe or who believes uh, the last study that they did, the last survey they did, was in 2016, and it's actually, I think it's the best one, because they surveyed two types of people. They, serve, they, they surveyed uh, religious people who believe in God, okay, they surveyed them, and then they surveyed non-religious people who don't believe in God, and then they asked them, do you believe in hell? And so the religious people, 80% of the religious people believe in a literal hell, which which is pretty good, but if you look at the other side, that means that there's 20% of Christians that, who believe in God who don't believe in a hell. And there's probably people that are in here that actually don't believe in a literal hell. And maybe you're watching online and you don't believe in a literal hell. Okay, So, so that's 80% of people who believe in God believe in a literal hell. And then there's the, the people who are non-religious, who don't believe in God, only 5% of them believe in a literal hell hell. Now, let's bring it context to where we live, okay? Denver. This is where we live. The last election, okay, they had this, this thing on the ballot where you check uh, who you affiliate, who, who religiously, who you affiliate with. Here in Denver, 76% of people checked non-religious, which means they don't, they don't want anything to do with God or religion. So what does that mean for us here today? What does that mean for us here today? That means the people that we go to work with, the people that we see at the gym, the people we see at Starbucks, the people that we see in the grocery store, the people that we do life with, a very small percentage of them actually believe in a literal hell. And we've probably encountered some of these people at the gym or at work or some of our family members. And... and. When people don't believe in a literal hell, they, they ask questions, right? And, and one of the questions that, that, that they really hone in on and they ask is if, what they ask is if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? Right? Well, if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? And my answer to that is that God does not send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. And I use my own example for my own life. I have two boys, Jude and Zeke. Many of you have seen Jude. He's, he's been up here helping me preach once in a while. And, and if you've seen Zeke, he's probably running around in, in the foyer after church. Um, and man, I love those boys so much. And I love them equally the same. But if you would... If you would commission me and tell me you have to send one to heaven and one to hell, go ahead and pick, I could physically not do that as a loving father. I, I couldn't do that as a loving father. I couldn't pick. I couldn't choose. And God, wouldn't, God couldn't choose either. And so what did he do? He sent his only begotten son to die for us. Let's read it here in John three sixteen and 17. For this is how God loved the world, because he couldn't choose, okay? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to do what? To save the world through him. And this is the heart of the, this is the heart of God, that nobody would perish but we would all receive eternal life. You see, God, God didn't choose. He's given us all equal opportunity to receive Jesus. And so when, when people ask, ask those questions, man, everybody has the opportunity to pick and choose Jesus because he came not to destroy the world, but he came to save it. And I don't know about you, but I would, I would have never thought to send my only son to save the world. And we see a God who is so selfless, who loves us so much that he would take the, the most precious thing that he has in this world and give it to us. And it would be his blood, right? Like as a father, send in your son to do something where people are going to reject him and hate him and then nail him on a cross. Like, that's what God was sending Jesus to do for us. Why? So we would all have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. This, this is the heart of God. This is the God that we serve. Second Peter 3.9. Peter says this. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And so I just, I just want to spend a moment on, on that word repentance. I, I just want to spend that moment on repentance. I want to read a definition for repentance. This is what repentance should do. Repentance is a process which leads to a relationship with God. Paul writes in Romans that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness and his kindness and his love that re- leads us to repentance. The result of repentance is becoming a new creation. Okay? It's, it's like that, the caterpillar right, going through metamorphosis and turning into a butterfly, that's, that's what repentance is supposed to do for us spiritually, it's supposed to, to change us into a new creation. So I got four things today for us to recognize as we repent. I got four things today that we should recognize as we repent. Number one, we all fall short. We all fall short. Understanding that, man, we're all sinners. And, and last week we talked about, uh, the, you know, the thieves that, that were, were, were hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And that one thief was, was still selfish and was like, Jesus, you know, get us down. But the other thief is like, hey, I'm a sinner. I deserve death. It's, it's that recognition of that, man, we're all sinners and we all have fallen short. Now, those same people, those same people that, that do not believe in hell, if you were to ask them, and we're going to talk about this next week, hey, do you think you're going to make it to heaven when you die? Those same people who don't believe in a little hell will say, yeah, probably. I'll probably make it. Well, why will you probably make it? And their response will be, well, because I'm a good person. You know, I haven't done anything horrific. I haven't killed anybody, Right? Listen, good people don't make it to heaven. Only people with the blood of Jesus over their life who have confessed with their mouth and believe in their heart and recognize that, hey, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of God's grace. I don't deserve it, yet he gives it to me anyways. Jesus actually says, look, there's actually no good people. Only God is good. Only his grace is good. And when his grace covers us all oh, that only then can we be in right standing with God. So the first thing about repentance is we all fall short, recognizing that we're a sinner. Number two, we should be turning away from our sin. When we repent, oh no, what happened to my apple? Did somebody eat it? All right, let's pretend. This iPad is sin, okay? Let's pretend this iPad is, is, is sin, okay? And repentance is turning away from sin. Jesus doesn't say that we'll never experience temptation, right? And that's I, think. I think some of us, man, we, we get mixed up in our mind. We give our life to Christ, and all of a sudden... You know, there's more temptation, or the temptation doesn't go away. Jesus never says that the temptation will go away. The temptation will, will will stay there. That the temptation's going to be in our lives. The thing what Jesus says is no temptation will overtake you in Christ Jesus. And so we always have the option to do what? To turn away. And when we repent of our sin, when we're looking at the sin and and, and The sin looks good. When we repent, we turn away from the sin. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What is that? A donut. It's even better. Because the sin looks good, right? Looks delicious. It's got sprinkles on it, right? And, and <laughs> this is what many of us deal with when we deal with sin. It looks good. And maybe we, man, we enjoyed this type of sin. And, and repentance is saying, oh, that's good. But, man, God is better. But here's the thing. When we allow sin to stay in our lives, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we don't cut the head off the giant, and we don't, man, we don't fully turn away from this sin, what ends up happening is we do what? We We consume it. I'm going to need some water. <laughs> for real life. Last, last service, I had an apple. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> it got stuck in my teeth. So I used the illustration of spiritual floss. But man, when we allow sin into our life, and it's just that we don't completely turn away, we consume it, and it gets in us. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And repentance is turning away from the the sin that looks good, that, man, you want to consume. Repentance isn't just leaving sin in your earth. Let's go to number three, number three, number three. It's not just a moment to be sorry, but a desire to not do it again and truly change, right? If, 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 if we just are just playing with sin and keeping sin in our life and taking a bite of it, that's not repentance. That's, you're not changing your life. You're leaving sin into your life. Repentance is completely turning away and saying, God, I'm sorry for screwing up again. Please forgive me. Help me not do it again. I don't want to become that donut or what that donut's going to do to me. I don't want to become that. The the reason why God calls David a man after his own heart, not because he was perfect. Absolutely not. He was a murderer and an adulterer. But he's like, man, I love David. You want to know why? Because he knows how to repent. He's just like, Oh I have two boys and, and, and they're they're just they're at each other all the time. And then I have two nephews that are over the house and they're when all four of them are together, it's just like something's going to happen. Someone's gonna be crying, do you know what I mean? Someone's gonna be whining. And and so so we break the break the kids up, right? And we're like, okay, say you're sorry, right? And not always, not always, but sometimes the response is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you're not really sorry, right? Like, you're just going to wait for mom and dad to not be looking, you're going to do it again, right? And, And some of us, we have this same idea with God, like, I'm sorry. I'll go to church this week. To show you I'm sorry. But you're not really sorry because you haven't gotten rid of the donut. You haven't gotten rid of the sin. You haven't completely turned your back and walked away from the temptation. Instead, it's just that you're just playing with it. That's not repentance. Repentance is, a God, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I don't want to do it again. God, bring me some people in my life that can hold me accountable, that can help me on this journey. Listen, that's why we have serve teams. That's why we have life groups. So you're not doing this life on your own because you can't do it on your own. You need people encouraging you, surrounding you, and helping you on this journey. Number four, repentance keeps our hearts humble and is something we should do all of the time. Repentance isn't just a one-time thing right? You say a prayer at the end of the service, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and that's it. No, repentance is a daily thing, and the reason why repentance is a daily thing is because we sin daily, right? Like, we we sin all of the time, and so just keeping our hearts clean and going before the Lord and saying, God, cleanse me of all righteousness. Lord, forgive me for having a bad attitude. Forgive me of thinking these, these bad thoughts. For, forgive me for saying this. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. That is true repentance. And, and we need to repent every day because repentance keeps our hearts humble and it keeps, it keeps our ears open to the voice of God. And so repentance isn't just a one-time thing. It is a daily thing. Four things to recognize about repentance. I'm going to read them. As we repent, one, we fall short. Two, we should be turning away from our sin. Three, it's just not a moment to be sorry, but a desire not to do it again and truly change. And four, repentance keeps our hearts humble and is something we should do all of the time. Repentance is important, okay, for us making this life matter. And not getting entangled in the sin that trips us up and slows us down from the very purpose and the plan that God has for our life. For the rest of our time this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16, and we're going to be talking about this parable that Jesus gave. Now, this parable that Jesus gave, it's, it's one of his parables that gives pretty detailed ideas specifics about hell and what hell is like. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read this parable and then I've got four things that I want us to to acknowledge within the parable. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and read Luke 16, 19 through 22. I think it's going to be more like 31. So let's go ahead and, and start off. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and in fine linen. Okay, so whenever you see this in scripture, um, it, it actually it, it actually is talking about that this dude was a baller, okay? Like whenever you see purple linen, scholars will have equated one purple clothing, like like one purple robe, equaled an average uh, an average person's years of wages, okay? And so this for this guy to be wearing purple, he's falling, right? Like he's at the next level. He's living in luxury each day. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Okay, so rich people during this time, they were so loaded that they would, after they would eat or even before they would eat, they would wash their hands. And then they would use bread to dry their hands off. Okay. These are the scraps that this, this Lazarus is hoping to get dirty bread that they used to give to the dogs. Like this is the bread that he's hoping to eat. The, the, the bread that this rich man used to dry his hands off. Finally, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. And this is Father Abraham from the Old Testament. The rich man also died and was buried. Let's continue. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is being comforted and you are in anguish. Let's continue. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Last last passage here. And the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophet, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. So I got four things that I want to talk about, four things to acknowledge about this rich man in hell. Number one, he was experiencing pain. There's, there's real pain in hell he asked Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and touch his tongue with it. I mean, I, I mean, dip it in water. Like, how much relief is that? But he's using that as an example to show us how much pain is in hell. How much torment that there is in hell that that even just a, a dip of water would give him just a moment of relief. Like, like this place is this place is horrible, it's it's eternal torment, and and he's experiencing real pain, and and not just physical pain, he's experiencing mental pain too, you know, understanding that, man, he could have done better with his life, like, man, he could have made some better decisions while he was on earth. Number two, let's look at the second thing. There was nothing he could do to change his eternity. Just, man, just think about that for a moment. Jesus says there, there's a chasm. And what's a chasm? Chasm's like a, it's like just this large hole. Like you can't cross over between heaven and hell. Like you're stuck there for, for eternity. Revelation 14 10 through 11. John. John explains hell this way. He says, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. They have worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. So this, this, is, a, this is a permanent, it's a permanent thing, and, and, and man, he's, he's acknowledging, man, this I'm here forever, and, and I, I shouldn't, you know, just the, the mental torment of, man, I could have lived differently while I was on earth, like, I didn't, I didn't have to be here, so not only is there physical torment, there's, there's mental torment, and, and just the acknowledgement that that's where you're going to spend eternity. Number three, he complains about the pain but not against the judgment. I think that's so interesting, right? He's, he's complaining about the pain and the mental anguish and the physical pain that he's feeling, but he doesn't complain. This is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say this isn't fair. There's a, there's a former uh, Satanist who has gotten saved, who's now an evangelist. His name is John Ramirez, and uh, he actually believes that he went to hell and spent time in hell, and he said the first thing that That he said, and he he believes that the first thing that people say that go to hell is, I don't belong here. I, I don't belong here. And it's that time while he's spending in hell, he's understanding that God is just. You see, God can't be just and holy if he just allows everybody into heaven. Because, listen to this. Because God is holy, he cannot commingle with sin. Because he's holy, he's pure, he's perfect. And so because God is holy, he can't commingle in sin. That's why he sent his son Jesus that his blood would cover our sin so we can spend eternity with God. Listen, right now as we sit here, there are beings in heaven that are worshiping God day and night, nonstop. And they are singing, holy, holy. Holy, holy is he, God Almighty. That's all they do all day long. Why? Because God is that holy. He is that almighty. He is that great. And that's what they do all day long. And so because God is holy and because he is a just God, this person, this rich man, he doesn't complain about God not being just. He complains about the pain, but he understands, man, I... I had an opportunity to do better, this is what I deserve, I had an opportunity to make a difference with my life, but he didn't. Number four, he begs God to send Lazarus to tell his brothers about hell. And so there's this acknowledgement. there's this process that this guy's going through, that he understands that he's going to be there forever. You know, he, he he there's this chasm and he can't get out. Eternal torment. And then then he starts to think about his brothers. He's got five brothers. And he's like, "Man, I don't want them to I don't want them to experience this. Like I don't want them to, to come here." Like like and so he's like, "Man, Father Abraham, can you send can you send Lazarus back from the dead? Like and, and then send him to my brothers cuz cuz that will wake them up." That will give them the wake-up call that they need to choose you, God, and not to choose this place. And the way Abraham answers him is is very interesting. He says, no, no, they won't. He's like, "They they can read the Bible just like everybody else. Everybody else has the same opportunity. And what Jesus was doing in this passage, in this parable, is he was foretelling what he was actually going to do. Because at the end of Jesus' ministry, what does he do? One of his best friends, Lazarus, dies, and he waits four days for Lazarus to be dead. And what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead, right? And the response of the religious people is what? Glory to God. Let's have a revival. No, their response is, we got to kill him. We got to kill Lazarus. And we got to kill Jesus. And that was the beginning of the end. That, that was the process of, hey, this Jesus guy, he's a threat. He's raising people from the dead. And so, like, this guy's like, oh, man, if you just send people from the dead, that will get people to, to wake up. No, it won't, because Jesus actually did it. And the response was, he's too dangerous. Let's kill him. And so the, this po- the, point, the whole point of this parable, okay, is not to give us hell anxiety, but to, to, Jesus wants to be really clear that, that hell is a real place where people go because God is holy and just. That do not enter through the narrow gate. They don't enter through Jesus. But also, he wants us Christians, us followers of Jesus, to be inspired to have compassion for people. Because when we we deal with difficult people and toxic people and jerks that we work with, right? What happens is we we lack compassion for their lives. And so Jesus gives us a passage that whenever you lack compassion for somebody, you can go back and look and say, man, I know they're a jerk, but man, I gotta love them. I gotta keep praying for them because I don't want anybody that I know to go to this place because this place is Horrible, this place is, is bad. So, man, I gotta keep being that light in my school. I gotta keep being that light in my workplace. I gotta keep being that light in my family because man, this is real, and man, I don't want people to go there. And so he gives us this, this passage of like, man, it's it's horrible not to scare us or bring fear but that we would be inspired as a people to be the light of the world, to share the narrow gate with people. And yes, yes, you will be persecuted. You might be cussed out this week by telling somebody about Jesus. Jesus also says that will happen. People won't like you. eternity is at stake. And the reason why I believe that, you know, John is so graphic and Jesus is so graphic is so we get an image in our mind that it would inspire us to not just be lazy, but to inspire us to know that, man, I don't want those people to go there and God has called me to rescue them out of the pit of hell. People all around us that that are lost, they're hurting, and they're broken. But this is the promise that we can hold true to: is that God isn't being slow; He's being patient, and He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us, guys. We are the hope of the world. He's not sending angels. He's He's not having rocks talk, or your animals go baptize people. No, He's He's called us. And God has put his faith in us. He trusts us to evangelize the world for him because he doesn't want any to perish. So I say today, keep praying. Keep believing. Even when they give you a bad attitude, even if they cuss you out, even if they slam the door in your face, even if they won't return text messages or emails or phone calls, know that God is working something that you cannot see. Know that God is, man, because God, listen to me, God loves them more than you love them. God love man, God loves that person just as much as he loves any, he loves everybody the same. We can't make God love us more. We're all his children. And so knowing that God loves this person that's difficult to deal with, this jerk at work, God is doing something behind the scenes that we can't see. There's a spiritual battle that is fighting for their very soul. And it works through us praying and believing and encouraging. Let's go ahead and let's go into our response time. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And I know this is a deep subject, and I know this is a deep message today. But it's necessary for us to know. And maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I and I need to make that first step. Or maybe you've you've drifted from Jesus and God and, and, and you need to repent today. You need to make a recommitment to Christ today. I just ask that every head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you this morning. Yes, 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 yes. You can put your hands down. And I just ask that everyone would repeat this prayer this morning as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing. Go ahead and, and stand to your feet if you can. For one last prayer, one last worship song. Uh, man, the prayer cove is gonna be open this morning. Man, we would love to pray with you. We would love to encourage you. No matter what you're going through today, we are here for you. You don't have to do life alone. I wanna do something Um that we did first service and I just really felt the power of God. And uh, let's just, I just want us to take a few moments this morning and I want us to think about a person in our lives that doesn't know Jesus. I just, maybe it's a group of people. I just put that person in the forefront of your mind right now. And I want us to raise our hands right now. Father we know that you your heart is that none shall perish and so God we we have this person in our mind or people in our minds right now and God you see that person and so we bring that person before you God and we we ask for mercy Lord God we ask for your kindness would withdraw that person to repentance right now in Jesus name and we come against All demonic strongholds right now over that person, and we break them right now in Jesus' name. We claim their life for you, God. We claim their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. We claim the blood of Jesus over their life and their eternity in Jesus' name. And we break all the demonic strongholds over their life we bind up Satan right now. We cast him back in the pit of hell, away from that person that we're visualizing in our mind. God, we claim them for you. They are your son. They are your daughter, and we want to see them in heaven. God, rescue them from the flames today, God, in eternal torment, God, because it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your love that draws us to God we just pray for that person right now in Jesus name God open their hearts open their minds to you lift the calluses off their eyes and let them see you let them see Jesus this week and God we're believing in this place that there's going to be people that we're we're seeing right now that are going to come to know you but they're going to come to church next week because you're that good of a God Lord we love you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name.